What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 71 of the Williams Project podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the very important topic of how to scale your business safely. So it's good to be back with you guys. We always appreciate you tuning in and listening to what Matthew and I have to say. Now, scaling your business is very, very important, but it's very important to do it safely. Here at Williams Corporation, we've sort of scaled from delivering six homes to 12 to 30 to 60 to 180 to 360 this year. So successfully, generally always doubled and tripled. And if anything, we've got more efficient, more profitable, less problems, less stress, less drama every year we've scaled. So I think the fundamental thing to realize is that scaling isn't something to be scared of. It's not a bad thing. It won't put more stress into your life. And if anything, it's actually easier to have a big business than a small business. Yeah, really good, Blair. You're bang on. So what we want to do is we want to talk through practical steps of how to grow a business. Now, this isn't just for business owners. If you're an employee in a company and you can make that company bigger, that makes you really valuable and valuable employees are paid more. So this is an episode for everyone to listen to. Business is the backbone of our society. It's what puts food on our table, houses over our heads, um, services, uh, roofs over our heads. (laughs) Um, You know what I mean. Business is important and valuable people in business are always remunerated well. And I think it's really important also to differentiate between growing and scaling. We want to talk about scaling, which is more or less how do you do more of the same. We're not talking about growing and sort of doing integration and buying in this competitor and tapping on this extra uh, product. So we're talking about how do you get what you're doing and scale that exact same thing to more and more and more and more. So let's start from the way I see it is we'll talk about the goal. We'll talk about the systems and processes and then maybe key um, trips that could catch you out along the way. Yeah. So starting with goal setting, that's really easy. You just take what you want to do and you double it over a 12-month period. And then I suppose the next thing to do is, well, there's actually a couple of things, but the next thing is go, because you don't want to scale something you're not doing well or efficiently or have the right processes on that's where you see these businesses scale but then all of a sudden they have to they might double in size but quadruple their workforce yeah agree. and they lose all their margins and they become one of these businesses that do twice as much work for the same amount of money as if they stayed at the original side yep. size which is not what we want for you guys so i think number two is really make sure you know the process of what you're doing know it in and out step by step who does what how's it tracked how's it managed How's your labor allocated? Exactly what your cost is, what your margin is. Have that really, really nailed. And then I'm a big believer that most businesses have a triangle. And when you're scaling or growing, you're always going to be operating a different part of the triangle to solve the problems you're going to have when you're doing it. So at Williams Corporation, our triangle sort of looks like capital. So do we have money to be able to buy more and do more in the next 12 months? The second part of the triangle is sales. Do we have the sales to justify spending the capital to buy more? Because if I make shoes, there's no point me um, building twice as many shoes and having no sales to actually sell them. Because all I've done is just double my stock and have no more sales. So it's definitely capital is one pinnacle of the triangle. Then um, sales is the second. And the third one for us is land. But you could look at that in a lot of businesses as stock. 
or, if I've or got production the, even. or production yeah. it's just the production yeah I've got the sales I've got the money to take the sales now do I actually have the delivery the stock the production yeah. to do it and I think when you're scaling a business it's one break down your processes to really fundamental basic systems then two figure out your triangle and go where is my handicap and my growth is it the capital is it my sales team or is it my production and you need very very simple ways of checking so if I want to check on any part of the construction, we have a very simple system that I can use and I can check all of our jobs or one of our jobs or anything I want to check, I can see straight away, right? For our sales, we have a very simple sales system. If I want to check where our sales, I click one button and I see all of our sales, right? So you need ways to check what your machine's doing in a very simple manner. If you have complicated systems, I promise you it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, because you should pretty much never ever have to wait for that information that relates to those triangles. You should be able to, as an owner or a manager or staff, depending on what you're allowed to do or not do, click a button and see that information. If you have to go see your accountant and they say, I'll prepare the report, I'll give it to you in two weeks, that 12-month period of growth will just vanish because you just won't have the information to make the right decisions. And there's so many systems now where you can make it instant. You yeah. should be operating in live, real-time systems. Yeah. So how Williams Corporation scale looks is we always go, we're committed to X projects. Do we have money to buy another one? And yeah. if the answer is yes, we'll then go, right, is there demand for us to release another project product or project into the marketplace? Yes, there is great. So we'd use the capital, buy another site, sell the other site, and then go, right, let's make sure our delivery systems and processes means no matter how many homes we buy this year, we know that we can deliver at the same speed or faster as the year before. And also, let's just talk about demand. Sometimes customers aren't just knocking on your door saying, can I have your product? You've got to make demand, which is your you marketing and your sales market. channels, right? So you need a system and a process where you make demand for your product. And that's your marketing team and your sales team. And it's a bit of chicken and egg as well, because some people are worried about growing the sales team first in case they can't get the money. Some people are worried about raising the money and paying the interest in case they can't get the sales. Some people are worried about spending money on their factory or their production team or their systems if they then can't get the money to get the sales. So I'm not saying you have to focus on one piece of the triangle each time, but just imagine your business is a small triangle and you're trying to make it bigger. And it might go all at the same time. One point might come bigger first then the other ones catch up. And you'll know in your head where your business weak point is and where your risk is for scaling. Yeah, and the, the thing about that triangle growing, you're probably never going to do it perfectly, but the one area to focus on is the capital. It's not fair to grow at the expense of not people not getting paid. So make sure when you're growing that triangle, if anything, we borrow money far too early. We borrow money half a year before we need it, but then we know we can safely grow. And I stand by that principle of making sure if you've given someone your word you're going to pay them, you have the money to pay them. So you need to make a mechanism where you can guarantee that money is there for the growth you're having. Now, that could be customers paying you in advance. That could be... Customers um, putting deposits down if, deposits. Like, if you manufacture kitchens or whatever it is. There's so many mechanisms you can use to make sure you have the money. Yeah, and I'm... I think I'm I'm reasonably sure of my statement when I say this is I think most businesses don't scale because they put in some form of marketing and sales team, they get some form of customer base and they sort of assume that that's their place in the market 
and it's too hard to get market share. There's too many competitors. The clients aren't there. We've maxed out our marketing budget for the year. I'd say most businesses aren't scaling because of the sales. Yep. Because generally, if you've got a good product at a good margin that you can deliver, if you've got the sales, you will find the money. Yep. Like in our early days, it's sort of sell the development, have some good terms on the land so you're not unconditional on it, prove you can sell it, then raise the money, then confirm on the site. Yeah, fair call. Yep, I think you're and like, It does make you run around like a headless fucking chicken for a bit, but there is a way to actually do it in a way where you can test it before committing to it. The key thing you said there is have good terms where you don't have to buy the site. So we always operated in a way where we never put ourselves at risk. Yeah. But I think um, I think sales would be the main reason people don't scale. So look, sales guys, sales, I'm going to give you a crash course. This is a whole episode, but I'm just going to do it really quickly. When you spend marketing dollars, have it for lead generation. I hate people spending money for marketing, right? Spend money, get leads, right? Then your leads go into your CRM, your customer management system. Your salespeople call the leads. You'll work out your funnel, whether you close 1 in 10, 1 in 50, 1 in 100, 1 in whatever. You know your cost per lead. You know your closure rate. And then you just put more leads into the funnel. If you make a margin on the way through. Correct. But roughly if you go, I make $10,000 selling my whatever I sell, and it costs me $5,000 to generate enough leads to get a sale. If someone came to you and said, hey mate, if you give me $50,000 tomorrow, I'll give you 10 people that are going to buy this $10,000 item off you. You'd do it. Yes, yeah, 10, yeah. yeah. $10,000 profit, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's costing you five. Yeah. So it's one of the things like sales and marketing, it's only hard to get your head around spending the money if it's an intangible result, where it's like I've paid for billboards, radio ads, blah, 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 blah. It's costing me 100 grand a month and our sales are going up a little bit, then they drop a bit, then they stay the same. Like Matthew said, spend money, get leads. Put leads in a sales funnel, work out your conversion, work out your cost for a purchase, make sure that cost for the purchase is lower than the profit you'll make out of that sale and then do it as much as you physically can. We spend no money on marketing. We only spend money on lead generation. It's a big difference. Yeah. And people go, oh, but what about brand awareness? If you generate 6,000 leads a month like we are, people will start to know who you are. Because if you're the leader in your field, people will know who you are. But also they've given, as opposed to just seeing like a, a fancy post on Facebook, they've given you their name, phone number, email address, and then someone from your firm's called them, discussed with them, built a relationship, emailed them information and met them. What's better brand awareness? Yeah. Them seeing a pretty photo that you paid five grand to get made or render or whatever video or someone actually interacting with your company, understanding it, knowing the people behind it. And even if they don't buy, who's going to give better value for money? Yeah, completely They'll talk agree. to their friends, their family, their aunt, their uncle, their hairdresser, their sports teams. And that's like word of mouth and it's, it's a snowball. Yeah. So I don't want to spend too much time on sales because that could be a whole half hour episode of how to do sales so we've we've said cash is important we've said setting the goal is important we've said selling is important let's talk about production how how does a business grow their production safely i think the the biggest thing about production is knowing exactly what each staff member is doing broken down into a tangible outcome yeah as opposed to going so a lot of businesses and i'm sure we've done this in the past someone goes i'm really busy I think I need another person. And you go, 
okay, you're busy, you appear to work hard, I'll get you another person. Then one day you wake up or you've got a GM or an operations manager, but all these people and they're doing the same amount of work as you were doing two years ago with a fifth of the people. So like in our business, we've got um, a cloud-based software for our construction management and we can see, we set out very clear rules for our project managers. You must have an accurate program. You must do a site visit every day. You must do a log on every job every day. So every day, Matthew and I can easily click through and go, oh, yep, Dan's done his log, or Ollie has, or Alistair has, or Adrian has, and check the program. And there's photos and a program, super tangible. And then what's good is, like I said, it's good to be a big business, not a small business, because now we have, say, five or six project managers, you do get a good baseline of what a project manager can and can't do. You've yep. obviously got some are slightly better, some are slightly worse, but you do formulate roughly a project manager can manage six building sites at a time. Yep. When you have one person, you have to take them on their word. If they say they're busy managing three, you don't have any other information to go off whether they're full of shit or not. You don't have a big enough test pool of data. And then when you're a big business, you can build a redundancy. So we're big believers in only having people working, say, a seven out of ten busy, but having two of everyone. Two accountants in each city, two project managers in each city, two architects in each city, and a big-ass sales team for each city. Because one, you don't want to put all your reliance on one person because they might go through a hard time they might be in an accident they might get really sick for a while and then you've got your main guy that runs your entire factory just gone for two months oh, and and that's why you've got to be a big business yeah and as you scale that risk gets bigger and bigger and bigger when you're small the owner could come in and help you could get your bloody wife along she might be able to help out do some bookkeeping or some office management when you're a big business and you lose a key person it's like an Achilles heel. Unless you design your business so it's not. Yeah. Which is what we've done. And that's and that's where manufacturing worries me a bit because like I know these manufacturing machines, like they could be millions of dollars for your your sawmill or your whatever machines people use. And if that breaks, it's bad. Yeah. I agree. And if you need a million dollar check for a second one, that sits there not being used just in case. So it is quite hard to juggle. Yeah. And that's why though we're seeing a rise of big businesses. So small and medium businesses can't compete. Especially with like minimum wage going up to $20, just the cost for your accountant each year. To the cost of bureaucracy. Well, by the time you have like an office, say one or two full-time staff, you pay yourself your 60, 80, 100 grand a year, whatever you need to, pay all your fixed costs, you got to sell a lot of whatever the hell you're selling just to break even. Yep, agreed. You're better off to double the size of the staff, double the production. We'll triple the production. Yeah, hopefully. lower those fixed costs per unit you sell and actually get a bit of return and a bit of bit of steam behind you. And build in some redundancy. So if you have one person, like we could, we, we're say three months from now, you could pick any person in our business, remove them, and the business will continue operating as it was. Yeah. And that's even the same with Blair and I. We can do each other's job. Yeah. If both of us went down in a plane, it would be a little bit of chaos, but that would that sort it out. I've always said it's the way I wanted to go. Private yeah. jet, a few beers in me, plumbing into the ground. It's a lot better than a stroke or a heart attack or cancer or like oh, Alzheimer's. Preaching to the choir, mate. That's, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But look, don't be scared. So Blair and I were very scared of scaling. We probably left it too late um, and we did far too much work ourselves. We would be miles ahead of where we are now if we understood how to scale and scaling's okay um, three years ago. I think the key thing's just processes. Ours aren't perfect. There's probably a lot we need to refine in it. 
to track where exactly everything is. But I think it's a lot easier to sort of, I wouldn't say pawn off your jobs, but delegate some tasks that you shouldn't be doing as a business owner as long as you've got a very key way to track how that person's doing them and the time frame they're doing them in. Yeah. I think the danger of you feeling like you can't hand that off because you either feel like they won't be as good as you at doing it or you feel like you can do the work of four people so you go, I don't want to employ four people so I'll just keep doing it myself. But that's why you almost need to skip the medium-sized business and just go straight, aim straight for being a big business. Yeah. Because okay. big businesses will be the people that win in the next chapter. And also a scale and is generally... Depends on your business. Property development's a bit of a tricky one because we get paid in a year's time. Any site we buy today, you say, and we make in a year's time, that money comes back in. Like our stretch is very long based on most businesses. And that's very short compared to other property developers. Yeah, but generally, you do have to spend quite a bit of money up front to scale before the profit comes back around. But you should be... If we can do it and we wait for a year between paychecks, most businesses should be able to do it a lot easier. Yeah, agreed. But just make sure make sure you've got your foundations in order, your systems, your processes. Yeah, and the other thing about um, building in like contingencies with two of everyone or maybe three, whatever it is, you don't want to scale at the cost of sleeping at night. You don't want one staff member to quit or resign or be in an accident and you have a month of sleepless nights and no one's doing the admin work and people aren't getting paid because no one knows how to log into the bank account. So you just got to think as you're scaling, might cost me a bit more now, but will I always be able to sleep at night? Yeah. And that's that's worth a lot. Yeah. It's worth yeah. a lot. It's, it's worth foregone profits just to know that everything's fine. And also, am I delivering my product to my customers above their expectations? Yeah. So if you need to put more people in to increase the quality of your product, I think you have to make that decision. Yeah. And also, it's like the reason why we scaled, which is actually quite important, is we just started outselling what we were doing. Yes. We just, we figured out, or mainly Matthew did, figured out the marketing and the sales and the lead generation, and we just got too many leads for the sales team we had. So we got and a bigger sales team, and we grew that, grew that, grew that, and then thought, shit, now we need to grow a whole lot of capital so we can buy more sites to keep up with the leads and the inquiry we have. And then six months later, shit, now we have to build this, let's grow our delivery team and production team. And you go, shit, now it's getting built, we need to grow the finance team, the QS team, blah, blah, blah. But generally, sales will drive scale because it'll give you that inner green light saying, customers want to buy my product. It's a good product where I make a fair margin. I don't need to figure out how to go deliver to the market what the market's telling me it wants. What you just said was fucking exceptional. I actually think you should say that again. So list the order that you just said. Those guys, Blair just gave you the, the order in which to scale. Just dropped the bomb. You did. That was, <laughs> that was bang yeah, on. The order to scale was just grow your leads until you have to grow your sales team then once your sales team's like i've done these orders i've done these orders you have to go shit i now need to raise the capital to fulfill those orders then once you've got the capital to do the sales you're about to take or have taken you got to go grow your delivery team then once it's been delivered you'll realize you'll need the back office support the finance the pricing customer care customer care that's probably the most that, that was bang on the ethical way it. to scale yeah because otherwise if your sales are shit and you go build double, twice the amount of umbrellas or office chairs. They're just a headache. I don't believe that build it and they will come. We, we make them come first. Well, yeah, the good thing is, it. yeah, it depends on your business. It's quite good. We can just do like a 3D render, make sure they want us to build it, then go build it. And we had a development recently where we designed it. We thought it was awesome. The market didn't want it, so we redesigned it. 
Yeah. We don't jam our core beliefs down people's throats. Unless it's a one-bedroom townhouse. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but Matthew's right. It's like you want to know there's a demand for your product before you go outlay the capital for the stock, outlay the staff, the infrastructure, the office. And the best way is just grow your lead generation so your sales team are like, turn the leads off. I've got too many customers that I can't meet with. Then you'll get more salespeople and they'll argue, explain why they should do it all, blah, blah, blah. Then once you've done that, go grow your capital, then go grow your production, then grow your back office. And then one other risk you're going to have is you're going to have people coming into the business that don't understand what you've done, don't understand the process, don't understand the thought methodologies behind things, and they're going to start trying to change systems and processes. And there'll be you'll know that it's right, but you sometimes can't explain why. You have to stick to your guns and say, this process is in place, I need you to follow it, because... Yes, there's ideas staff have that are better sometimes, but there's core meta knowledge that you have that you might not be able to put into words. But if your gut is saying, no, 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 we have to do it this way, you've got to trust your gut. Yeah, and that's also why we talked about at the start, processes are so important because it's really up to the owners or upper management to really break down every process, set a new one or confirm it's a good one. So when someone does challenge it or come with a new idea, you actually say, the reason we do this is X, Y, Z. I can see your point's good for these reasons, but it doesn't cover this. If you've just bought a business and followed the process or whatever, and you don't believe in it or understand it, then you will get swayed around because you don't know why it's done that way. Yeah, agreed. And you should each part of your business, you should be able to get a napkin and write how it's run and why it's run that way. Your processes should be so simple in each division, they can be written on a napkin. Like most of this business is run by a couple of basic spreadsheets and off-the-shelf software. Yep. Like generally there's nothing we need to wait for like a report on. And with respect, I think we have a more complicated business than 95% of businesses, and we run it with a couple of spreadsheets and a couple of off-the-shelf systems. Yeah, well, it's off-the-shelf system for production, off-the-shelf system for sales, and a spreadsheet for capital. And off-the-shelf system for accounting? Yeah. Spreadsheet for, not capital, a spreadsheet for allocation of funds? Yeah, well, it's sort of capital. Yeah. And then... Is there spare money? Is there not? And a spreadsheet for profitability? Yeah. It's pretty simple stuff, guys. Yeah. If it's long, boring, hard, and repetitive, you're probably onto a winner. Yeah, I don't think business shouldn't be complicated. It might seem complicated from the outside, but if it's your own business and you don't understand how it works, is an issue. Massive issue. Okay, guys, look, we appreciate you. As you know, we do these podcasts for you. We try and pass on. We tell you everything we think. We don't hide anything. We want you to be successful. We want you to be powerful. We want you to achieve all of your goals. Um, as you know there's one payment if you love this episode share it with one like-minded friend we appreciate you as a listener and have a great weekend